of you. And we ask it in Jesus' name, who gives us the right to do this. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to ask you guys to bear with me, be patient with me today. I have one of those uh, bad little headache things that kind of scrambles my brain and I don't feel like I have clarity or like I can think straight. And um, that's why I started manuscripting about five years ago is because I got to the point where I couldn't trust myself every morning when I come. And so this is called a safety net. Uh, it's a cheat sheet to some people, but this is, this is mostly a safety net because when you have it and you're feeling okay and uh, you're rolling along, it's easy to walk away from it. Um, but if you don't have it and you're not feeling okay, uh, you're in trouble and um, you're, not, you're not fantastic to listen to. So I'm not ashamed uh, that I have one of these things. Um, I feel like I could call this sermon today um, what you were talking about, that saying that you guys have in the rooms, that they, would, that they would want what we have. It's so funny that that even came up, because that's exactly what I'm preaching on today. So this is part four. This is the final sermon that I'm doing on my Nuts and Bolts series, which has been on evangelism. Okay? The first week, we established that biblically, like witnessing, testifying, sharing the gospel of Christ is the preeminent reason why the church exists on earth. This is why you and I get up and breathe every day primarily is to be gospel carriers, okay? We established that. Then we talked about the disposition of the gospel carrier in uh, the second sermon, which was that we are uh, adjustable and approachable and accessible with that gospel, right? Then the third one, last time I preached, was on practicalities of the gospel interaction, And then this is the final one, which is about you and how you live and what your life looks like and what you do and what you don't do as a representative of the Most High God and that gospel that you carry. Um, I might offend some people today. I offended myself at least 10 times while I was writing this sermon. Uh, So... Uh, you know, I'm an equal opportunity guy, offender. So um, I, 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 I want you to know, because this happens so much when you get into sermons, sometimes you feel like, has that dude been reading my mail? Has that dude been reading my emails? Has he been reading my thoughts? Has he been following me around? Because it sounds like this thing could only be for you, that this guy's talking about things that they could only know uh, if, as a result of, like, being a creeper. And, um, and, and I just want you to know that, like, this, this isn't one of those. I wasn't, when I was writing this, I wasn't thinking of any one of you, okay? It's just what it is. All right, there's my disclaimer. Okay. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. We will not be doing surgery on this expositionally, but I do want to... Read this little section right here to set the tone. First Peter 2. Go down to 9, just for the sake of time. Verse 9, where Peter says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies... There it is, 
our primary purpose on earth with the gospel, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Therefore, verse 11, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles, and this actually here could just be uh, used as outsiders, non-believers, okay? Keep your conduct among the outsider honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. There was a saying that used to float around when I was a young Christian, my early days of being a Christian, that sounded like this. Share the gospel in all that you do, and when necessary, use words. Now, there's a problem with that statement. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We, the gospel is something spoken. The gospel is something that must be proclaimed. And yet, when you look at a text like this, and many other texts in our Bible like it, there is also a reality that the gospel also should be validated and manifest in our lives and the way that we live, right? So it's, it's kind of a, um, it's, it's a fairly good statement. I kind of like this one better, what Bodhi Bauckham says. If you want to know a person's worldview, don't ask them what they believe. Just watch how they live. That's interesting. Don't ask what they believe. Just watch how they they live. This is a valid statement because we all, as human beings, really, truly believe um, not not just mouth. uh, What we believe actually informs uh, how we conduct our lives. What we believe informs how we conduct our lives, what we do, how we do it. Not only that, but for the Christian, it is true that our lives and the way that we live before God and unto God is a valid, powerful testimony to an outside world. Not only do our epistles show this, but Jesus taught this as well, right? Matthew 5, 13 through 16, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Well, what does Jesus mean by that? Well, he he proceeds to tell us, let your light so shine before others that they may, what? See your good works, deeds, and, and then what is the result of that? Glorify your Father who is in heaven, right? So, so Jesus is speaking of our works there. He's speaking of our deeds there. He's speaking of the way that we live, being a valid testimony or witness in drawing people's eyes upward, to God. In other words, the way that we live matters. And the way that we live points people to God. It is evident to all of us that this is true. Have you ever been out somewhere? I have many times. Where I've been interacting with somebody in a public space. And nothing that is coming out of them, whether it's their actions or their speech or whatever, there's nothing Christian about them. In, in fact, they're, they're kind of disgusting even. 
and then it comes up at some point in the conversation that I'm a pastor, and then they go, oh, I'm a Christian too. There's nothing uglier and more disgusting than when that happens. When you're around someone who is just showcasing all things that are contrary to God, and then when the word Christian comes up, they identify as God's. It's like there's nothing more hypocritical than when you see this happen and when this goes down. We know that this is true. Peter in this text is certainly confirming that a real faith in Jesus will and should manifest itself in real ways for Jesus. Let me say that again. Peter is confirming that a real faith in Jesus will manifest in real ways for Jesus. He's no doubt confirming that when real faith is that real faith is producing uh, that when real faith, sorry, is producing real works, the world will sit up and it will take notice. They may not like it, they may shrink back from it, but they may also consider the reason why, like you were talking about today, and thus be saved as a result of what they see. And we'll do a little more on that later. Peter is not saying here that if we belong to Christ, we need to try really extra hard to produce a righteousness of our own. This is not what Peter is saying. Rather, he's saying that because we belong to Christ, we have been made something new and therefore are able to walk in new things. That's what he's saying here. Those are two different things. This is actually the same thing, guys, that James talks about. It's such a big dilemma. If you got on One Decent Pastor this week, you heard us talk about it a little bit. Some people will say that James has a contrary gospel or a contrary message to Paul because Paul was continuously, uh, we are saved by faith alone, justified by faith alone in Christ alone. That's it. Faith plus nothing, Jesus plus nothing. And then you get to James and James is like, no, you're not justified by faith alone. It's faith plus works. Are those two different gospels? No. James is simply implying what Peter's talking about here. That our faith, if it's a real saving faith, is not alone. It's not alone. It's not this passive thing that just, this just hangs in the ether that we look at. If, if, if we have a sa- been imparted a saving faith as a result of a gift of Christ, if he has come into us and, and rebirthed us, that has weight. It, like there's things that have come with it. And it's basically transforming power. It's, it's something that brings forth works that validate that there is a real saving faith. So it, one is actually the reason for another. Our, our faith um, is not alone. And this is kind of all that's being talked about here. Um, we will become like, in a nutshell, that which we belong to. This is really what we're talking about here. We will become like that which we belong to. And if it is Christ, then our lives will become a living testimony for and about him. An active witness that is like Christ to outsiders. Well, the question may be like how, in what way does that happen? Well, in that those who are outside will see things come out of us when they look at us that are different that are unique, peculiar even, I think the King James says. I like that one. You are a, he says here, a peculiar people. We don't use that word too much. 
Um, all it means is strange. It doesn't mean weird. We already talked about that. Don't be weird for Jesus. But uh, if you belong to Jesus, you are peculiar in this world. You, you are strange and a stranger in this world, right? So we're, 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 we're not ordinary when people look at us. This is a strong testimony. It piques people's interest. It sparks curiosity. It grabs attention, which can oftentimes lead to gospel opportunity. And again, we're going we're gonna to hit that a little more later on. But the bottom line is this. How we live matters. What we do matters. How we do it matters. Even what we don't do matters. Our conduct as a people of God is a strong, powerful evidence and testimony of who we are and what we believe to a people who otherwise would not care. Having said that, there's a small list that I've thrown together here this morning that may aid us in a few ways that we can be different or peculiar in this world that is getting ever more sideways and crooked and upside down. Here's my brief, do you want to be different list. You ready? You want to be different. Some of you are like, nah, I don't want to be different. We'll talk about that too. If you want to be different, be a person of integrity. This is hard to find anymore in this world. Be a person of integrity. Be honest with, in your dealings. Be honest in your actions. Let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Be a person of conviction. Not blown about by the dictation of others or your own feelings and your own emotions. Be steadfast in what is right. Be established. Be consistent. Be reliable. Be dependable. Be able to be counted on due to being stable. Fixed. You want to be different? Be a good employee. Be a good employer if that's what you are. Do your job well if you want to be different. No matter where you work or who you work under or how much you make or how much you hate what it is that you do, do it to the glory of God. Do it as an act of worship to God. Whether you're mistreated or not, whether you're appreciated or not, whether you're looked over or not, because your Father who is in heaven is looking and He cares. So do your job as if He was your boss. Because he is, every single day. Do it with a good attitude. Do it with gratitude. Do it as if you might make a difference in the world by doing it as best that you possibly can, no matter how insignificant or menial the task may seem. You want to be different? Be a good employee. You want to be different? Don't gossip. Don't be a divisive person. Don't tear people down with your tongue. Don't tear people down with your words. Don't tear people down with your speech, especially in front of other people, which is gossip. Even if you feel that you have cause to, even if you feel justified in it, even if it seems valid, even if they did something wrong, really wrong, towards you, speak life. Speak honorably. Speak beneficially on the behalf of others or speak nothing at all. Even if everyone present is dogpiling, do not join them. In fact, undo the pile. Turn the conversation. Be a verbal difference maker. That's different. You want to be different? Don't give your allegiance to a political party. What do I mean by that? 
I'm not saying don't register, and I'm not saying don't vote, and I'm not saying don't have convictions and opinions. I am saying if you want to be different today, in this day and age where everything is hyper-political that we live in, don't give your allegiance to a political party. Don't be categorized or known or identified by a political party. Don't be defined politically. Be defined by having ideas and wisdom that is from above. Be identified as a Christ follower. Always siding with that which is true, that which is pure, that which is good, that which is right. Not just that which is on the left or on the right. This requires being objective. We have lost this. Again, this means being wise. This means thinking critically. Having our heads screwed on. Thinking outside the box according to the dictation of Scripture rather than a pre-established social category that you have been assigned. Be able and ready to cross party lines when Jesus crosses party lines. Be willing to stand fast when Jesus stands fast on the things that he stands fast on. Be a free thinker for Jesus, not a sheep for political power. Be a sheep of the Son of God, not a sheep of the state. Base your convictions on what is right in any given specific issue rather than what is expected of you due to how you've registered to vote. Jesus approves of this message. Someone got it. I was like, gosh, that, would, that works here. You want to be different? Fight for your marriage, not against it. Fight for your marriage, not against it. Put in the work every day, and it is work. Be an overcomer in every moment of hardship and trial in your marriage. Stay when it's hard. Don't run because it's easy. Love when it's challenged. Show the world what commitment looks like. Show the world what covenant relationship looks like. Show the world what God has brought together, no man can tear apart, looks like. Even when they all look at your marriage and the challenges in it and think that you are stupid for staying, show the world what the gospel looks like in marriage. Dispense gospel in your marriage when it makes no sense because that is what makes it gospel. You want to be different, men who are single? Do not take women to your bedroom. Take them to church. Treat sex as sacred, because it is. Not as recreation. Model purity. Promote purity. Protect purity. Not promiscuity. Fight your desires. Don't surrender to them. Fight your temptations. Don't give in to them. Fight the culture. Don't conform to it. Wage war on your members. Live as though sex is sacred because it most definitely is. We just don't know it anymore. Want to be different? Married Christian men, lead your families spiritually. Lead your family spiritually. Do not sit back. Do not be passive. Do not be neutral. Do not be casual. Don't wait for your wife to make a move first. Don't wait for her to lead. Establish the spiritual initiative. Set the pace. Adjust the thermostat spiritually in your home. 
trailblaze a path to Jesus for all who are in your house to access and walk in and walk on. Be the leader into all good things. Be the difference maker spiritually in your house. It starts with you. You want to be different? Here we go. Don't smoke pot. I could have said that differently, and I'm not a doctor, so don't sue me. You know, um, my dad used to always joke when I was a kid. He used to do that little rhyme like everybody's doing it, doing it, doing it, picking their nose and chewing it, chewing it, right? Uh, that's what I see when I see what's going on with pot culture this day, these days. It, it's, it's weird to me that Christians somehow think that when something becomes legal, God's all for it. Do you want me to unpack how that doesn't work right now? I think we all know. I think we all know. Don't get high. Try this if you want to be different. Don't get high. Don't medicate. Don't mentally escape or check out. Be different. Enjoy a clear head. Value a clear mind. A clear mind. In fact, protect with all that you have a clear mind. God values a sound, sober mind far above a numb body and brain. Value clean emotions. Value accurate thoughts. Value clear discernment. uh, A real conscious and present relationship with him and with others. You want to be different? Don't smoke. Likewise, you want to be different? Don't get drunk. Like, no different. Same deal. Don't overdrink. Don't party. Don't abuse your alcohol consumption. And if you can't do that, don't drink. Just stop. Again, love sober-mindedness. Love clarity. Love control. And if you don't possess any, don't drink. Don't be ashamed of it if you can't drink. Don't be ashamed of it. Be relieved that you don't have to. Be blessed. Be free. Be different. Value your sober-mindedness above your other freedoms. If you want to be different, the next time a major catastrophic event happens, stay calm. I know we're jumping all over the place. We're going to keep doing that. You want to be different? The next time a major catastrophic event happens, stay calm. When COVID hit three years ago, I was blown away by what I saw in the church. How Christians responded to this stuff. Stay calm. Exercise your faith in the middle of that maelstrom. Display it before others. Don't react like the world reacts. Don't panic like the world panics. Keep your head screwed on and your heart guarded by the one who was over all things that come into existence. When the world around us is falling apart, remain calm in that disaster. Remain hopeful. Remain anchored to God in turmoil and in crisis. There's a reason why people file into churches when disasters happen, right? Assure them that that's valid by how you respond, by who you believe in and by who you look to. Similar to this, if you want to be different, suffer well. Suffer well. Let peace 
reign in your personal storm. Act like Jesus is in the boat with you. Because he is. He is. Don't complain. Don't murmur. Don't look for every opportunity to broadcast your disapproval. Right? Be composed. Be content. Be still. Be assured. Be certain of who it is you've put your trust in. Be assured that the God of the universe sees you in that place and cares for you, even in your darkest hour. Suffer well. Persevere well. You want to be different? Love your enemy. This one stinks, man. It's just hard, you know? You want to be different? Love your enemy. Extend grace. Extend mercy. Extend that which is contrary to your nature or to what seems right and just. Be generous. Be forgiving. Turn the other cheek. This is a gospel love that cannot be ignored when it's done and dispensed. Don't give in to the flesh. Don't give in to the gratification of the populace. Don't give in to Satan. Love the unlovable. Forgive the unforgivable. Remain with the despicable. Be patient with those who do not deserve it. Be kind to those who do not deserve it. Be generous toward those who do not deserve it. We have to tell ourselves this over and over and over again with this warming shelter thing that we do every year. This. Love your enemy. Extend gospel. Make a loud statement by not reacting to people the way that other people expect you to. That looks alien when you see it. You want to be different? Be humble. Be confessional, even. Be honest with others about you. About you. Confess your sins often. Repent of your transgressions often. Hate what God hates and love what God loves and have the courage to let others in on how you're doing with it. That's why we're here. Learn to receive godly counsel often. Learn to love receiving the voice of others speaking into your life often. Be teachable. Remain teachable. Be a student. You want to be different? Be humble. You want to be different? Make your local church family a priority. Shameless plug. Don't even care. Ching, ching. If it ain't here, somewhere else, I don't care. Make your local church family a priority. Not an afterthought. Not an option. Not a tag-on to your life when there's nothing else better to do. Be committed to gathering. Be committed to sitting under the preached word. Be committed to serving the needs of your brothers and your sisters in Christ. And do it all as if it's the greatest privilege and honor that you've been given in your life. Because it is. Love serving others more than yourself. Make the church your family, not your personal accomplishment. Not your own personal gain. Not your recreational activity. Your family. You want to be different? Be committed to a local church. You want to be different? Be locked into your Bibles more than you're locked into anything else. Locked in. Be locked into Scripture more than you're locked into social media. Drink from a living well instead of a shallow, polluted one. Stop relying on fake news when you've been given access to real news, applicable news, 
beneficial news, life-giving news, good news. It's all right here. Right here. You want a trustworthy, reliable news source? It is here. If you immerse yourself in it, it will, guaranteed, make you different. Different. Not only that, but when you come to your Bible, stop ignoring or trying to change Scripture that's been written to change you. We are not here to scrutinize our Bibles. It is here to scrutinize us when we read it. God has the upper hand. It is the Word of God. It is the power of God. It is the authority of God. And He alone is truth. Don't play with it. Don't play with it. Let the Scriptures inform your worldview rather than the ever-changing culture outside that door that changes day by day. Don't let anything get in between the Word of God and your time in the Word of God and you. Don't find reasons not to go there like we all do. Find everything else as secondary to going there. Right? The truth is that we could go on and on and on all day long with do you want to be different lists. I'm sure we all have them. We probably could have sat and opened it up and done it together, and that would have been kind of a fun exercise. But because we belong to Christ, that we are different matters. And it's amazing how much opportunity there is for you and I to actually be different. It's funny. It's funny. When I was young, I always felt like I was different than everybody else. I always felt like everybody knew something that I didn't know. I felt like I was inferior and, and stupid and just missing basic things, whether it was the soccer team I was on or you know a sports team or circles at school with friends or, or even at church as a kid when I would go to Sunday school and they're all popping off their memory verses and I'm sitting over there like, I, I always just thought that someone, like there was a memo going around to people that I didn't get. And I always thought that I was different. And because I hated it so much, it became like one of my life goals from a very young age to try to not be different. To try to be like everybody else. To sound like they sounded and look like they looked. And do the things that they did. So that I would fit in. I just wanted to belong. I just wanted to belong. I didn't want to be different. I didn't want to be an outcast. And then... Jesus saved me. And it's the first time I ever felt truly like I belonged somewhere. And once he saved me and I belonged then to him, I realized that being different is an absolute blessing. Peter wants us to know, people, that if you belong to Christ, this is not your home. You are an alien. You are a stranger. You are a sojourner. You are just passing through. This ain't where you live. You do not belong here. You belong here. And so praise God, he is with us even as we're here. As we walk through this wilderness on the way to our promised land. We belong to the God of the universe. The King of Kings. Right? And so now I actually find joy in being different for that reason. 
I love trying to find ways, as many ways as I can, to display Christ in me and through me. Not to be self-righteous, that's a whole different kind of a thing, but to be humble in allowing that which resides in me to just come out in every way possible. To let, to just bleed Jesus to a world that has no idea what they're looking at. Right? This is what Peter's talking about here. Um, as Christians, listen to this. This is, maybe go home and chew on this, I don't know. This is a simple statement. As Christians, it can be easy for us to sit back on what we've been saved from, but not press into and enjoy what we've been saved to. I think testimonies do this. Like, I, I, I love what I've been saved from, and my testimony is going to be what I've been saved from heavy every time I share it, right? Because I'm not the guy I used to be, and there's a lot that I needed to be saved from. And praise God that he saves us from our sin and ourself and everything that's up ahead as a result of that. But I, I think we also need to know that, that when Jesus did what he did for us, he also saved us to something. He saved us to newness of life. He saved us to good works, which he has prepared beforehand that we should walk in. He saved us to being representatives of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A bunch of people who were enemies are now ambassadors of the best story ever told. It's crazy. He's he's saved us to things. So we don't just sit on our hands and go, praise God that I'm not going to hell and Jesus forgave me. No, now we, we get to look around and go, oh my gosh, look at, look at all that Christ has saved me to. Look at all the things that I get to walk in as a result of him making me new and all things in my life new. And this is what we're talking about here, right? Like he, he, didn't, he, didn't, just, he didn't just make a withdrawal when he saved us. He, like he made a deposit too. This is why his sinless life matters so much. Not just that he hung on the cross and died. That matters. But also that he lived first a sinless life on our behalf. That is the saved us too part. We get to be new now too in what we do and how we live. Right? We have been saved to being conformed to the image of Christ. We're, we're basically done. And wouldn't you know, this just so happens to be what also opens up the eyes of the people who are looking at us and watching us. This is what we're talking about. When we are different, when we walk in newness of life, in Christ-likeness, this is actually the thing that causes people to lift their eyebrows and go, what in the world is that? What in the world is that? Like where you started, right? This is our living witness to the gospel of Christ. This is one of the primary ways that we testify of the gospel that saves. I may at first look like an ordinary guy to people, an average guy to those who come across me, but as they watch and they listen and they observe, they do see, by the grace of God, something different, something strange, something peculiar. And it is because my entire worldview, which informs every area of how I approach life and do life, is not average or ordinary. It's otherworldly. My worldview is otherworldly. And so is yours, if you are a Christ follower. So oftentimes, people will scratch their head and wonder, 
What is going on with that person? What is wrong with that person? And it is at this point where the gospel seen leads to the gospel shared. I'm going to prove it to you. If we move a little farther in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter goes there. Starting in, uh, we don't have a lot of time. Um, what do I want to do with this? You guys know this section. Do you guys know what's happening? The, the church of, that Peter's writing to here, why he's primarily writing. These guys are under major, massive persecution. Massive persecution. And so the whole like intent of Peter's letters, like don't cave. Don't cave. Don't do something stupid. Don't say something stupid, right? Don't make a stupid decision. Like, I know it's hard right now. I know the pressure's on. Don't cave. Don't be tempted to fall into what Satan wants you to fall into as a result of this, okay? That's basically what it, what it is. And so he's talking here over in, like, let's say, like, verse 13 to these guys. Um, and you guys are going to recognize this because it's a very pos- uh, popular statement that we get to. Uh, Who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared, here it is, to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and do it with respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your what? Your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame, for it is better to suffer for what is doing good. What's he saying here? The gospel seen in how we live and how we respond to the world, and what we do, and what we don't do, and how we do it, leads to the gospel shared. When you read that verse, be prepared to make a defense. We always think of someone coming at us with some kind of an evolutionary, you know, like, oh, I'll bet I'm going to stump you with this, Christian, you know. And it's like, ah, you give an argument, you know, and you... No, that's not what it is. Look at the context. Peter's telling these guys, hold fast in your righteousness, Hold fast in good behavior. Hold fast in following Christ and doing what is right. And when you do, the onlooking world is going to go, that makes no sense, and ask you why you're doing it. That's what Peter's saying here. A gospel seen leads to a gospel shared. And this is why it matters, people, how we live. At the end of the day, if people want to follow me around, they're going to see me fail. They are going to see me sin. They are going to see me fall short of the glory of God and be able to go, ha ha. And that's okay because you know what that is? That's a gospel opportunity too for me to say, you're right. This is why I need Jesus. This is exactly why I need Jesus is because I'm not righteous. I'm a sinner. But on the other side of that, You and I, through the power of the Spirit, the transforming power of the Spirit in us, Christ in us, get to walk in ways that we never would have walked in before. And it will look different to a world that's watching. And this is a gospel opportunity. Our lives matter. The way we live matters. And I love you guys. And I offended myself too. So, (laughs) Lord, thank you. For your word, though your truth is difficult, we know that it's not there 
to crush us or condemn us. It's there to actually resurrect us, to raise us up, to bring us closer to you. If you didn't love us, you wouldn't correct us. (laughs) And so we thank you, God, that you have given us, like always, some things to think about. But now we need power. We need strength. We need humility. We need a burning desire to walk in those things that you love and not the things that you hate. And so I ask that this little small group right here, 30 people in this place, would be an absolutely peculiar people in the community outside this place. I pray that when people look at us, they would see you and they would be compelled to know what it is. And we ask it to your eternal glory. Amen.